What? This is... What did you call it? The laboratory? Very close. The laboratory. You're really getting quite good at speaking in a more modern English dialect. How are you doing on this fine day, Christine? Quite well. Doctor, what are you doing? Humming. Yes, I can hear that. What I mean was, what are you doing with those glasses and that green water? Oh, that. I'm making wine. You know, that tune really is catchy. I keep hearing it somewhere, and every time I hear it, it gets stuck in my head. Wine? Tis not how such was made in my time. Oh? Well, I'm using slightly more modern techniques, developed by the Bacchanusians. They're a highly sophisticated race that makes the finest wine in the galaxy. They gave me the recipe after I helped save them from a crinoid that was growing in one of their vineyards. The whole economy is based on selling their wine to neighboring systems. Are they all drunkards? <laughs> Not really. Uh, they have three stomachs, so it takes an enormous amount of wine to truly intoxicate them. Well, why do I feel so heavy in this room? I localized the gravity in this lab to be greater than the rest of the TARDIS, so I could replicate the conditions on Bacchus Prime. Their wine has never been replicated outside of their own planet. The, the challenge of attempting to recreate it is a common hobby on many worlds. Aha! I think I've got it. <coughs> oh. <coughs> well, it didn't quite turn out as expected. All this talk must be distracting me. Would you mind terribly leaving me here to work on this in private? But, Doctor! Why don't you check on the console room to see how things are going there? I hate it when he does that. Hmm. doing it. Who that doctor? I do not know why he insists on shushing me around as he does. Why do you not check on the console room? He knows very well that I have not to do with this contraption of his. What did I do? What is that noise? Why is it light on the console flashing? I pray it's a stop break the doctor's machine. Doctor! Please machine, be well. I do not mean the any harm. What is it, Christine? What's all the commotion? Look at the console! We're receiving a distress signal. That's strange. I can't tell what it's coming from. It appears to be located in multiple dimensions at once. I, I don't see how that's possible, unless... What? Unless it's a ship sandwiched between two dimensions. I do not understand. You and I both, Christine. Such a thing is an extremely rare occurrence. I've only seen it a dozen or so times myself in my travels, but it could be an accident with a hyperdrive. Can we be of help? Possibly. I can set the TARDIS controls to trace the signal to the half of the ship that's still located in our dimension. There. The TARDIS should home in on the ship. Now we just have to wait a bit. All right, gentlemen. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, so like it or not, here it is. Our two ships have been trapped here in the ice for nine months. We lost three crewmen to mysterious ailments on Beachy Island when we landed there. Surgeon Petty believes that Torrington died due to complications from tuberculosis. The causes of death of Seaman Hartnell and Private Brain remain unknown. Whatever the cause, it does not appear to have followed us since there have been no deaths once we became locked in the ice here. To date, there has been no sign of winter letting up, so that we might break free despite this being the month of June, and summer is well upon us. 
This morning, I sent Lieutenant Gore out to check for signs of breakup, which must surely come soon. Sir, I must respectfully remind you that Hartnell and Brain were as young and healthy as any of us, and yet they died without any warning of ailment. We should not easily disregard the threat of further deaths. Noted, Captain Crozier. Sir, if Lieutenant Gore does not find any sign of the ice breaking up, I strongly recommend to prepare for abandoning ship and getting out of here while we are still strong enough to travel. You can't be serious. How could we survive a trek of hundreds of miles across frozen Arctic wasteland? If we didn't freeze to death first, we'd undoubtedly run out of provisions on the way and starve. Commander Fitzjames, if we stay here and use up all of our provisions and fuel, we will end up just as dead. Our only option left is to take the chance and make for Bax River while we still have the strength and supplies to do so. I tell you, if we wait, summer will come. Silence, gentlemen. Will you compose yourselves and behave like officers in Her Majesty's Navy? Even though we are in an uncivilized land, we must remain civilized men. Captain Crozier, your opinions are noted and will be considered as an alternative course of action. For the time being, however, we remain here in safety and relative comfort until I am convinced that summer is not coming and there is no chance for our vessels to break free. At that time, I will give the order to abandon ship, and not before. Commander Fitzjames, you will show respect to Captain Crozier as a superior officer. Do I make myself understood, gentlemen? Yes, sir, Captain Franklin. Crystal clear, sir. No disrespect intended, Captain. Good. Now then, gentlemen. Forgive the interruption, sir, but you told me to inform you immediately upon Lieutenant Gore's return. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant. What did he find? He reports no sign of ice breakup, sir. Lieutenant Gore told me he had left a message in a stone can stating our situation at present and that all is well. Good man. Just as I instructed. If anyone comes looking for us, at least we have another message for our search parties to find. Sir, Gore also reports that he passed the location of where another of our stone cairns should have been, and it was no longer there. What? I had better question him directly. Where is Lieutenant Gore now, Mr. Irving? In sickbay. Surgeon Stanley is examining him for frostbite, sir. Very well, Lieutenant. Gentlemen, we will continue this discussion after we've heard Mr. Gore's full report. How very odd. I have done nothing! Getting a bit jumpy, aren't we, Christine? I'm talking about the other dimension that this signal is coming from. This ship appears to have gotten itself caught in the dimension that many interstellar ships use to bridge the gap between locations. Fascinating. It became stuck half in our dimension and half in the transitional dimension. Can they not abandon their ship? Possibly. The problem may be in the fact that nothing usually exists in the transitional dimension. Normal laws of physics are somewhat different there. It's like a great space of white nothing, like looking into a blizzard but without snow. This really is the most amazing phenomenon. I, I can't wait to see how this could have happened. And to rescue the people that are trapped there. Hmm? Oh, but <laughs> of course, of course. Our first priority is to help whoever got themselves into this mess. Excellent! Hmm. Earth, mid-19th century, in the Canadian Arctic. Where? 
Oh, you'll love it. You might want to put on something a bit warmer, though. You'll catch your death in that skirt you're wearing. I will go and fetch something from the wardrobe. Oh, and, and fetch my medical kit from the cabinet over there. I'll need it in case some of the crew are injured. I'll go and get a signal tracer and a portable dimensional stabilizer. That'll come in handy if someone is trapped in the other dimension. In the white zone? Yes. The white zone, huh? Well, that's as good a name for it as any since we didn't have one before. <laughs> I like it, Christine. Thank you, Doctor. Now, no more time to waste. You'd better fetch those things. Off you go. Barely it worries me when he has this much fun. It always pretends danger and running around in quarters. Eleventh June, eighteen forty-seven. It has been ten days since Lieutenant Gore returned from his sledging party to find any sign of a thaw. There is still no change that we can see. Our vessels are still trapped like flies in amber. The longer we stay here, the less time we have to travel before winter hits. We cannot afford to be trapped here another year. Tomorrow, I will send out two more sledging parties to see if there's any hope of a thaw. Another day, another log entry. Perhaps Crozier is right. Maybe we should leave the ships and head for Bax River. Who's there? That's strange. Hmm. It must be the ship settling in the ice. Maybe it will thaw yet. Oh! Oh! oh what are you? Captain, it's Commander Fitzjames and Lieutenant Gore. Are you all right, sir? Sir? We thought we heard some strange noises coming from your cabin. Captain, we're coming in. Captain Franklin, Gore, get the surgeon. Don't just stand there, get Stanley now. Uh, aye, sir. He's dead. Captain, what could have done this to you? Gore? Lieutenant Gore, are you all right? Gore! Alarm! Alarm! Wake up, men! We have a killer loose on this ship! It is cold here. It is colder than you said it would be, Doctor. Indeed. What is a strange machine? What? Oh, this thing? This is a tracking device that should allow us to follow the distress signal back to its source. Except due to the spatial anomaly, the signal appears to be coming from all around us. Hang on a moment, I'll just fine-tune the device. There, that should do it. Shall we go then? Yes, let's. You know something, Christine? It's rather colder here than I thought it should be. I told you that a minute ago. What? Yes, of course you did. This should be summer, and yet it's as cold as winter up here. Really? How could you tell? Let's go up this slope, Chris. We'll have a better view of the surroundings up here. Doctor, look! Ships! Yes, they appear to be large sailing ships from around the mid-19th century. Probably exploratory vessels. What are they doing in this foreboding place? It's a very good question, begging an answer. Shall we go find out? Wait, Doctor. 
Oh, not the vessel's lying in the wrong direction from what the device is signaling? Yes, but they may have sleds or some other form of transportation that could prove useful. Or perhaps they know something about the crash. Besides, it doesn't appear to be too far off. Ahoy there! Ah, a welcoming committee. Hello there. Would you all care for some jelly babies? Jelly what? Who are you? Or better yet, where did you come from? Well, how about if I start with your first question? I'm the doctor, and this young lady with the chattering teeth is Christine. We're travelers. How did you come to be here? Are you part of a search party? Yes, in a sense. Forgive my disbelief, but are you the ones who sent the signal? You are human, aren't you? Signal? No. We've left some notes inside cans in several locations. What are you talking about? Ah, we were responding to a distress signal. I thought you might have been the ones who sent it, but obviously not. What was that crack about us not being human? Hmm? Oh, that. Oh, forgive me. My mind sometimes wanders. Christine here can vouch for that. Hmm. Barely. Where is the ship and the rest of your crew? Oh, we are the crew. Uh, Our ship is just down that slope. Oh, I see. Your ship crashed in the ice. Pardon my indelicacy, but are you the only two left? Yes, it's just the two of us. I'm so very sorry. Please forgive my manners. I'm Lieutenant John Irving, and these are my men, Sergeant Solomon Tozer, Private Wilkes, and Seaman Strong. We heard your voices and came to check and see if it was our imaginations. Have you been here long? Not long. Feels like we just arrived, in fact. Would both of you like to come and sit by our campfire? It's not far. That would be lovely, kind sir. I am quite cold. Certainly, my dear. Again, forgive my previous rudeness. We've been trapped here for a long time, and all of us are on edge. Come, this way. Ah, thank you so much for your hospitality, Mr. Irving. How long have you been here? Our ships have been beset in the ice for a year and seven months now. That long? The ice hasn't thawed in all that time? No. We expected it to when summer came, but it hasn't happened. Our ships remain locked in the ice tighter than a vice. Have you thought about abandoning ship and heading for the south? Oh, yes. Captain Crozier suggested it several times to Captain Franklin, but Captain Franklin thought it would be far riskier to travel such a distance in these temperatures. He felt the ice would surely thaw the following summer. After he died suddenly... Commander Fitzjames insisted we follow his final orders. I'm sorry about your captain. How did Franklin pass away? We don't know. The surgeons have been unable to determine the cause of most of the deaths. How many men have you lost? Eight officers and ten men under very strange conditions. Strange? Surely under these conditions you must have lost him into the cold. Well, Miss Christine, we came extremely well prepared for this expedition. This isn't our first voyage for several of our crew to these regions. We had supplies and equipment to last us three years easily. Five if we rationed them enough. Our two ships are the latest steam-powered variety, providing both warmth and advanced means of propulsion. Both vessels have been specially insulated with cork and reinforced to withstand the pressure of being trapped in the ice. We fully expected to become icebound at points in our journey, and were quite prepared to wait for a thaw. 
However, we were not prepared for a thaw not to come at all. It's odd you haven't heard about our expedition to find the Northwest Passage. It was in all the newspapers back in London. Oh, well, we've been away from England for quite some time, so to speak. Traveling the world, eh? And then some. You were saying about your former shipmates? Yes, Doctor. It's a little difficult to talk about. I'm not sure if it would be appropriate for Miss Christine to hear the gory details. I have seen many things since I began my travels with the Doctor. My heart is stout. As she says, Mr. Irving, I don't think it will be any worse than what we've encountered before. It sounds like you've had quite a voyage, Doctor. Well, after leaving England, we sailed for the Arctic. Everything was favorable. The summer was mild and we crossed an impressive distance in record time towards our goal to search for the Northwest Passage. Northwest Passage? Yes, Christine. For years, many an explorer has searched for a passage from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific to open up easier trade routes to East Asia. It's the holy grail of shipping lanes, so to speak. Indeed. We encountered our first obstacle in September 1845 as the sea began to freeze. We found a safe harbor at Beachy Island and stayed there for the next ten months. Everything was going well, with barely a case of frostbite. Then on New Year's Day, John Tarrington died. Surgeon Petty performed an autopsy and discovered he had tuberculosis. He had been coughing quite a bit for a while, but we assumed he just had a lingering cold. Tragic, but it seems normal enough so far. Wait, Doctor. Only three days later, Seaman John Hartnell died without any warning. We found him dead in his bunk. The surgeons were unable to determine the cause and he showed no signs of illness. Even so, he probably died from some sort of natural cause that you were unable to detect. After 90 days, Private Brain died on a sledging expedition. He was out of sight of the rest of the party only for a few minutes. Yet they found him lying in the snow, seemingly a victim of scurvy. The only thing was, he had shown no signs of the disease prior to his death. Surgeon Stanley had examined him just before he left and found Brain to be totally fit and ready for duty. Curiouser and curiouser. After the thaw came, we quickly left the island and continued on our journey. Again, the weather was very much in our favor and we made excellent strides. Shortly, we discovered a hidden channel which threaded its way through the islands exactly in the direction we wanted. Anxious and excited, we hurried through the channel at a breakneck pace. As summer neared its end, ignoring the advice of our ship's ice masters, we continued on in the hope of finding the passage and completing our mission. Of course, we would have been better off if we'd have chosen a place to stay rather than allowing our ships to become trapped in the ice with the onset of winter. There are only a few species that have the advantage of precognition. I'm sure Captain Franklin acted as he thought best. <laughs> you are a strange one, Doctor. However, it is very kind of you to say so about our late Captain. He should have listened to Captain Crozier, though. As the months went on, the senior officers frequently discussed our options. Captain Franklin preferred to wait it out and see if the ice would thaw, but summer never came. Then he died in his cabin, quickly followed by Lieutenant Gore in the hallway outside. And you have no idea how they died? Surgeon Petty suspects some kind of unknown virus. 
All of the men except Torrington were completely healthy before they died. Yet after autopsy, some of them showed signs of severe cases of scurvy or tuberculosis. Others showed no signs of any disease whatsoever. Captain Franklin was one of those who showed no signs of disease. Gore was healthy one minute, dead of scurvy the next. Since then, another six officers and eight crewmen have died. That's an extraordinarily high ratio of officers to crew. What's your ship's complement? A total of 24 officers and 105 men between the two ships. My word, that is an unbalanced proportion. One third of your officers are dead, yet only one tenth of your crewmen? That doesn't make sense. Officers are traditionally fed better, they have individual quarters, they are not subject to as much manual labor, and yet they appear to be much more susceptible to this virus of yours. That is truly unusual. How are you feeling, Lieutenant? Well, aside from minor frostbite and feeling tired, I'm fine. Nothing that the rest of the crew isn't suffering from. If you are suffering from these ailments, why do you come so far from your vessels? Even though Captain Crozier is now the senior officer on this expedition, Commander Fitzjames is the captain of the Erebus, and he has a lot of support from his crew. Many of them are reluctant to follow an Irish captain. They believe that Fitzjames should be in charge as he is a proper English officer. The captain still can't agree upon whether we should wait for the summer or travel south on foot. Fitzjames insists that we follow Franklin's last decision on the matter and wait. Captain Crozier believes he can convince Fitzjames to leave the ship's given time. He had me set up this camp in anticipation of that eventuality. How does this camp help you abandon ship? It will enable us to do so more efficiently if we have a base of operations on land to work from. I hope we don't wait much longer. At least we would stand a chance out there, rather than dying one by one on those ships while waiting for our supplies to dwindle to nothing. You obviously don't share the Erebus crew's views of Crozier, do you? No, I don't, Doctor. And most of our crew are loyal to Crozier. Irish or English, he is the best man for the job. Well spoken, Lieutenant. Doctor, what is wrong? There's some sort of disruption in the space-time continuum. What? Oh, only I can feel it as a Time Lord. Oh, oh, oh. Are you all right, Doctor? Yes, I, I feel much better. You were babbling nonsense there for a moment. Something about being a Lord of Time and disrupting things? Is it some sort of club you belong to, these Time Lords? I suppose you could say that. Disruptive fellows, are they? Cause a lot of ruckus at parties? Not usually, no. Quite a boring lot, in fact. Irving, was was that stone pillar there a moment ago? What? By Jove! No, it wasn't. How could a stone can have popped into the middle of our camp without any of us noticing? Tis something important. It must have something to do with the temporal distortion. Shall we check inside for any messages? Yes, I suppose we should. Sergeant Toza, see if you and the men can uncover a message in the can. Aye, sir. This is totally unbelievable. There is no way a six-foot stone pillar can just appear out of thin air. You may have to start suspending your disbelief, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Irving. Thank you, Sergeant. Well, this doesn't make any sense at all. 
This is a message that Lieutenant Gore left in a can miles away from here. Let me see. 28th of May, 1847. Her Majesty's ships Erebus and Terror wintered in the ice in latitude 75 degrees north, longitude 98, 23 degrees west, having wintered in 1846-47 at Beachley Island. There are some more measurements of latitude and longitude, and then the note continues. Sir John Franklin commanding the expedition. All well. Party consisting of two officers and six men left the ships on Monday, 24th of May, 1847. Graham Gore, Lieutenant. You see, Doctor, this is impossible. This note was left in a location four miles from here ten months ago. Yes, I'm beginning to understand. Mr. Irving, would you mind terribly if I spoke to my friend in private for a moment? This way, Christine. Won't be a moment, Lieutenant. What an odd fellow. Toza, did you hear him mention something about understanding under his breath? Aye. There's something odd about them that I just don't trust. This should be far enough. That is wrong, Doctor. Did that message mean something to you? We are in terrible danger. That note jogged my memory. I know where we are now. We are in the Canadian Arctic in 1847. More exact than that, Christine. These men are the crews of the Terror and the Erebus, an expedition that was lost in the Arctic for several years. They just find them eventually, then. Uh, they never found either of the ships, and all they found of the crew were some of their remains. You mean... Precisely. According to history records, there were no survivors. <laughs> Irving, be careful where you point that thing, especially when it's in my direction. I didn't trust the lies you were telling me, Doctor. I was listening to what you were saying to your friend here. Now I know I was right. You are obviously here to kill us all. Don't be a fool, man. You overheard bits and pieces of a conversation. Let me explain. Oh, you'll have your chance to explain. Now, march back to camp, the both of you. And don't try anything. I will not hesitate to shoot. Really, Irving, you should listen to reason. We're not here to harm you. Shut up. (laughs) 